Hmm. Yeah, the one thing they did touch upon were people like Elon receiving government grants for uh, green energy, but then also being connected to the power grid while claiming that they are going to have uh, 100% renewable energy uh, fueling their their factories and stuff. Same thing with uh, Apple and a few other corporations that claimed they had 100% uh, green energy, but then in reality they were connected to the power grids that we're all connected to that is mostly run off of uh, coal. But yeah, I mean, I think kind of the thing that I really took away from the documentary and also the Blumenthal article is it's just literally impossible to fix these problems within our existing system because you assume, again, that these foundations or these nonprofits, you know, they might not be perfect, but they're generally on your side. Right. But it's just the way the fucking system is set up. These foundations are funded by billionaires and millionaires who are always looking to make money. So if there's any given problem, the question is, how do we make money, quote-unquote, fixing the problem? And the concern is never for what other externalities, what other problems are created through this particular solution to the problem. So, you know, again, clear-cutting forests, ethanol, burning the Amazon in Brazil, uh, you know, all of the mining that goes into solar and wind, all these kind of things that... It's just because of the fucking system we have. And again, all the stolen wealth is just replicating itself, and it can't actually fix these problems without creating more just because of i mean it's just so frustrating because you think like oh we can do a technocratic solution to global warming and then deal with the problem of capitalism later and no i guess we just got to fix the entire thing all at once (laughs) so good luck everybody just right yeah call your local legislator we're gonna get this done But to briefly just run through a couple other things in the documentary, uh, you know, obviously they make the point that for all these banks that are investing in it and all these, you know, billionaires and foundations, it's a profit making, but it's also greenwashing. It's a way to, uh, you know, improve their image, undo any of the scandals they've been involved in by making people think they care about the future of the planet. Um, It talks about uh, a couple different groups that it mentions, includes the Nature uh, Conservancy has been working with the logging industry. Uh, The Union of Concerned Scientists has been working with electric car makers, including, of course, Tesla, Elon Musk's company, Um, the Sierra Club, we mentioned the the 350.org, their green investment funds were like less than 1% solar and wind. Uh, the Sierra Club sells almost identical funds where they sell their own green investment funds that you can buy from the Sierra Club. And there's almost no solar and wind in there and a whole bunch of major polluters. Um, oh, and then one of the most striking things the documentary mentions, the website treehugger.com is a, you know, you... As you would guess from the title, it's an environmentalist website. Mm -hmm. The website treehugger.com was founded and funded by Georgia Pacific, a logging company owned by the Koch brothers. Oh, wow. Uh, And uh, another, like, really disturbing and shocking fact from the documentary was the Koch brothers are likely the largest recipient of green energy biomass subsidies in the United States. So... Even though, you know, they went like DEFCON 10 on the fucking Obama administration over this supposed, you know, crackdown on carbon emissions, the Koch brothers ended up making a fucking boatload of money from all these subsidies pushing into biofuels. Um, And I guess that's just kind of the reality of the situation. But I very much do recommend, if you haven't seen it, to watch it on YouTube. But I thought with uh, the time we have left, we can have sort of a brief discussion on 
something that w- that I felt was missing from the documentary, which is nuclear, because again, they do mention you know degrowth or uh, mass ecofascist genocide as possible solutions, <laughs> mass depopulation. Uh, I'm not sure. I think like degrowth is something that might be necessary, but I just can't imagine it's possible to sell it. You know, like uh, I think it'd be a very difficult sell because the problem is, you know, even though we've been slowly transitioning uh, to an extent to solar and wind, energy consumption has been going up consistently for the last 30 years. So you have to reduce energy consumption which means degrowth, which means asking people to deal with less. And there's, I don't think, much political appetite for that uh, to impose austerity on people, essentially, which is something we've been talking about throughout this podcast as like, you know, a a real problem uh, uh, imposing austerity on on the population. But one other thing that wasn't quite covered in the documentary that maybe is an alternative would be nuclear power. And I I know Steve, you did a bit of research on that. So maybe we could just briefly discuss the pros and cons of nuclear power as a uh, decarbonization strategy. Sure. So let me just open it with like a couple of facts and then I'll just talk about how it relates to the documentary. So, in nineteen in the nineteen seventies and eighties in France, uh, their electric grid underwent a nuclearization, a just uh, going away from oil, natural gas, and some renewables, but not very many at the time, to towards a more nuclear, like a nuclear power plant, plant grid, for their electricity production, and during this time it marked the fastest decarbonization rate that we've ever seen. Hmm. And that happens in large part because it's been demonstrated that nuclear power is very clean. Hmm. Um, And that, that stretches not just from the energy production itself, but through the inputs that you need to build and maintain the nuclear power plants. And when you line, when you line that up, alongside the other energy sources like gas, biomass, oil, coal, um, wood chips. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, very, it's very much in the running for like one of the cleanest sources that we know we can scale. Hmm. And there's, a, there's an international, a UN International Panel of Climate Change uh, publication. The UN put this out in... It puts it out every four years, I think. And one of the latest ones has an appendix where they break down what are called the the life cycle CO2 emissions for each energy source. Hmm. And this is everything from coal, solar, geothermal, hydropower, wind, nuclear, all of it. And nuclear came in at the third least out of 12 sources. So that's pretty impressive because it was only beat by onshore wind and ocean power. Hmm. Ocean is not easily scalable. Wind is somewhat scalable and it should definitely be included. But to not to say that we should not include nuclear because it's unclean is not factually accurate. Right. So nuclear like 
they there if you want to know their more about the, these estimates um they just took the they did a study on the median grams of co2 equivalents they call it per kilowatt hour so it's like an average amount per kilowatt hour that is emitted somewhere from the system because they use that source mm-hmm. and nuclear was like vastly cleaner than most of the ones they studied it was only like only wind could compare so people have this dirty image of like they see a they see a nuclear power plant usually it's steam tower right. which is like the the runoff from after it runs through turbines and which ironically is like perfectly clean it's like not <laughs> uh it's steam and just say like wow this is so dirty and like uh polluting but really it's just water vapor and so that's that's the how clean it is and then the safety angle most people like the part of why i think nuclear was basically completely excluded from the documentary hmm. is because michael moore got his start kind of as a leftist in the anti-nuclear movement in the 60s and 70s and part of it was geared towards anti-nuclear weapons which obviously i support and everyone should but it kind of got married to this idea that you also shouldn't have nuclear power plants because it is environmentally harmful and it could help proliferation of nuclear weapons. And there's there's certainly some danger to uh, on the nuclear weapons proliferation front that you need to plan for when you build nuclear power plants that have, that use materials that could be used to make a nuclear weapon. But we we've had i mean france did it for 30 years at like a country level and there was never an incident of someone stealing fissile materials and making a nuclear weapon and there are also no meltdowns that killed anyone so um so yeah so that's the cleanliness angle and then as far as death rates for different types they measure it i found a, a there's an article published in the lancet which is a prestigious peer-reviewed scientific journal that compares death rates per terawatt hour of of electricity produced by different energy sources and nuclear again was one of the lowest much like far lower than uh, gas biomass oil coal and um, charcoal brown coal rather um so nuclear kills 0.07 people per terawatt hour. Hmm. And a terawatt hour can power about like 30,000 homes for a year. Just to give you an idea of the scale. Hmm. And so they compared that. So that's like minuscule. And it's right up there with wind again. Like uh, one study, there's two different studies for nuclear that go into this. And one puts it at one of them includes Chernobyl, so it's a little bit higher at 0.074. <laughs> and then wind is at 0.035. And then another nuclear power, another one includes Fukushima, but excludes uh, the Fukushima nuclear disaster, but excludes the Chernobyl disaster. And that one has it at about 0.01. So in the whole history of nuclear power production, like they tried to average it out and it would become pretty much where wind is at, like point at the 0.035 level. Hmm. So compare that to gas, which is at 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Biomass, 4.3. <laughs> Oil, 18.43. Jeez. Coal, 24. Wow. 24 right. deaths per terawatt hour. That's yeah. So, I mean, it's just... Uh, I, uh, I think I've made it clear that I support nuclear power, but I also support wind, wind and solar and hydro as like, I mean, it should all be in the mix as far as I'm concerned. But I think part of why it was just totally left out was because Michael Moore has this like dogmatic assertion that nuclear power is dangerous and, and, and unclean, but we know it's not. Yeah, and I think that's very unfortunate is like between that exclusion and the eco-fascism, this could have been a very great documentary that just kind of fumbled the ball on the two-yard line. Um, yeah, but basically. Yeah, 